Assalamu alaikum, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 5 of the Muslim Gamers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Muslim Gamers Podcast is a podcast where we talk about video games and other things video games related and even add a little dash of Islam or Islamic topics to speak about. Just a tip. My name is Farid Yusuf. I'll be your host for this episode. And joining me is, as usual, none other than my brother from another mother, Abdul Rahman. Assalamu alaikum, Abdul. Waalaikum assalam. How's it going? Doing great, man. I've had a very busy week, even, but I was able to get some gaming done in there, unlike pre- the previous episode. So at least I got a little more stuff to talk about. But even more importantly, we have some major video game news. Well, first and foremost, uh, we have the Nintendo Switch. I think that's the biggest announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the biggest announcements to come through. Mm-hmm. So you just watched it. What do you think? Uh, it seems very exciting. It's a very well done commercial. Um, for those of you that haven't seen it, I suggest you put put pause right now and watch it. Even though this episode is a week after uh, the uh, uh, the Nintendo Switch was announced, uh, very well done commercial. However. My first problem is nobody plays basketball and then plays NBA on <laughs> oh, whatever thing right away. Okay, that doesn't happen. Uh, the whole like playing Mario Kart on the way to a kart race, that actually kind of did happen to me and a few friends. So that's believable. Uh, but joking aside, um, uh, it's a great concept. I think it's really cool. There have been a lot of rumors about this being, you know, a portable slash handheld slash um uh, what's the word? Uh, a home console uh, type of system. Now, of course, there's going to be some major concerns. First off, with the portable, how is the battery life even going to be? Because this looks, this doesn't look that much thicker or bigger than maybe, and the original iPad or uh, or a Surface or something like that. So to be able to handle, you know, quote unquote, next generation level of gaming, I don't even know because uh, they haven't released any specs on this at all. No, there's rumors, specs, but there's nothing in solid. And they said they're not going to announce anything else for a year. So right. this is it. This is all we're getting. Um, mm-hmm. Overall, I'm pretty excited for this. Um, mm-hmm. I think it'll be cool. There are mm-hmm. some obviously concerns with you know battery life. Uh, the internal storage, I think, is probably going to be one of the biggest. Like how much internal okay. storage does it have? Uh, it okay. is cartridge based, so yes, that at least it won't have the uh, problem that the PSP had with the UMDs. Right, right. Well, yeah. So that will probably play a huge thing. And one of the biggest things I don't know if you noticed, if you mm-hmm. watch the video, uh, the little control, the little side controls come off, and you can play it separately, right? As like a two, pl- mm-hmm. as like a split screen thing. Mm-hmm. My main problem is those controllers are not symmetrical. Mm-hmm. So one person has an analog stick that's like. That's that fits okay in the hand, and the other one's gonna have it off to the edge of the, right. the remote. So that's gonna piss me off. I'm like never, <laughs> I'm never going to use those controllers by mm-hmm. themselves. I don't know. And throughout the whole thing, I don't know if you noticed, but there was no mention or no use of the motion, or if they're mm-hmm. even doing any motion stuff, because mm-hmm. the Wii and the Wii U were huge on you know motion um, sensor stuff. Well, I guess you know what that means. Looks like there might not be any backwards compatibility at all. Yeah, that's going to be a huge thing as well, is mm-hmm. if it's backward compatibility. And I think the bigger thing is if your Nintendo Store stuff kind of 
uh, goes oh. uh, yeah um, pilots over because yeah. right now the way it is I think Nintendo store if you it's locked to your Wii whatever mm-hmm. you buy on the store uh, right. your Wii U so yeah, it's not that, to like any account or whatever even that's that way it works on the DS too yeah. or the 3DS rather I should say so that's huge uh, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of concerns that a lot of people have mm-hmm. um, but we'll see we'll see what Nintendo yeah. has installed mm-hmm. Yeah, but it is, I mean, it does fulfill that dream of being able to play Skyrim on the go and then coming back home and just resuming. Yeah, I like how they were like, oh, now you can play Skyrim on the go. I'm like, Skyrim's a six-year-old game. It better be able to (laughs) run on this. Like, if if you cannot run Skyrim on this, then there's, Mm -hmm. like, that's going to be a sad console. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, I think, I believe I heard another podcast where they talked about this and said that uh, Bethesda are, like, officially not saying anything yet. They're like, oh, we're not making any comments right now. Or saying anything about what kind of support this game will have, if this is going to be the remastered Skyrim that's going to have all that mod support on console. So we don't know yet. So there's still a lot of unanswered questions about this. Um, uh, what are, what are you mainly looking forward to with this thing? Because you, you said you were pretty excited. Dude, you, I'm, you, you, yeah, I'm looking forward mm. to playing a Pokemon on the big screen, b mm. Monster Hunter on the big screen. Mm. like that's okay. that to me is the most exciting thing because what they're doing is they're combining their handheld console with their console console so mm-hmm. now the games that were only on console like fire emblem on freaking big screen dude that's gonna be awesome that's pretty epic yeah that's pretty awesome uh i don't know what i could say i'm really excited about i did like the fact that with their controllers kind of had that xbox 360 type layout you know, with the offset yeah. analog control. Uh-huh. So uh, maybe, you know, this might possibly mean, um, I mean, just based on the controller alone, I don't know how the rest of it's going to be. Um, actually, it's going to be kind of tough for um, uh, third-party multi-platform games to make their appearance on this Nintendo Switch, like Call of Duty or, you know, games like that, like Battlefield. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I think it's just, uh, I don't think third-party are going to utilize that split screen uh functionality a lot of them probably aren't they're just gonna go mm-hmm. with a yeah you're gonna use it as a one controller mm-hmm. uh, i think that the the um, the split controller is mostly going to be for first party games right and only or, for first party games i'm thinking the uh, and also i mean it won't be like where you split it actually but when you attach both ends to the actual tablet itself then you'll be able to get that full gaming experience on the go right right and i i like as a if I'm playing this single player, I see no reason of detaching the controllers from the monitor. Okay. Like yeah. I, in the video, he detaches it, he puts it on, you know, the tray mm-hmm. of the airport, the his air, his airline, and then kind of mm-hmm. plays. I was like, why don't you just hold it in your hand? <laughs> well, maybe it might be heavy because yeah, uh, because I have the uh, Nvidia Shield, and that thing can get pretty bulky in your hand. You know, so, um, well, and if you're going to do that, why not just take the controller with you? Yeah, you could take the controller with you. I think this is just a way of kind of having that extra, what's it called, um, uh, uh, portability rather than having to carry something along with you. Because now if this is something that you're going to be carrying along with you, you're going to need a bag or something. Yeah, it's not going to so, fit in your pocket yeah, for sure. Yeah, even like even the, the, the uh, Nintendo 3DS XL, 
uh, putting it in your pocket isn't advisable. So those who game on the go, they probably they're probably already thinking of solutions. Like maybe they're gonna get the bag that comes with the um, uh, like the the bag that they're gonna sell, or like a case or something that they're gonna sell. But those cases, like the smaller they are, the more convenient it's gonna be to carry around. So uh, that's where I see you know it being okay, where um, you can kind of put it away. Oh, sorry, put the take off the controllers from the thing, the split controllers, put the screen or the tablet or whatever you want to call it back and then just kind of just relax and play something on the airplane. Yeah, well, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Now, moving on to the next really big uh, piece of news, which honestly, when I heard about this at first, I was even I was more excited for this than the Nintendo Switch. And this is Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm-hmm. Now, what are your impressions? Because so far... The, this is just Rockstar being Rockstar, just showing very little bit of the game. Because um, it's been rumored that a, a sequel to Red Dead Redemption was coming out. And they finally officially announced it. And I believe they said, what was it, holiday 2017 or March 2017? I think they said March 2017, but I'm pretty sure it's going to get pushed back, just like Me GTA too. is. Mm-hmm. Um, I am overall disappointed that is not coming to PC. I was really hoping that it would come to PC. I I'm not um, first. Okay, first off, uh, for me to be disappointed, I'd have to be expecting it to come on PC, which I didn't, because yeah. the original Red Dead Redemption didn't come on PC. Like GTA, every single Grand Theft Auto game except for Vice City Stories and Liberty City Stories and Chinatown Wars has come out on PC. Yeah, every single one true. of them. Red Dead Redemption, Red Dead Revolver, n- neither of those games. I don't know. If, I'm pretty sure Red Dead Revolver did not come out on PC. So what uh, I'm what you, I'm more scared of, I mean, I'm not what I'm more I guess worried about is not that it's not coming on PC, is that they're doing what G- they did with GTA Five, is that they're gonna launch it uh, for PC a year later, and mm-hmm. kind of like double dip on uh, on the on the gamers, so right. people that already got it on console, now they're gonna get it on PC. Yeah, and honestly, if you already have it on console, there's no real reason to get it on PC. I know a lot Unless, of people that had it on had GTA Five on console, and then they went and they bought it for PC. Right. No, that's what I was going to say. Unless if you really have a beefy computer that you can take advantage of it, or if you want to really get into the mods, which I'll admit can be a lot of fun. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I guess I kind of outgrew the mods. So I see myself only getting this on console once. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, but uh, but other than other than that little disappointment with the technical technical thing, I mean the game. I love. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully the game is cool. I mean it's it's a Red Dead game, so there's mm-hmm. literally not much that they can do to screw it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's Rockstar, and lately Rockstar's track record has been pretty good. So yeah, and I mean Red Dead Redemption One was like a surprisingly one of the best games that they that came out in a long time. Mm-hmm. And it still is arguably one of the best games for one of the best games ever. Yeah, and it still is mm-hmm. one of the best mm-hmm. games to come out in a while. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's. I mean, it does have a lot, um, a lot of hype behind it, and a lot of I mm-hmm. guess legacy um, things that it needs to follow up on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it looks like they're moving away from you know the empty desert type uh, location, which. I felt like it was kind of uh, prominent in Red Dead Redemption 1 where uh, a lot of the game felt empty. However, one of the ways they kept the game exciting was they'd have these random events like you'd have to rescue a random damsel in distress or uh, save a guy from getting robbed or getting shot or getting hanged or something like that. So I'm looking forward to more of that in Red Dead Redemption 2. 
Uh, I'm also going to make a confession right here on this podcast. You're probably going to think I suck. If you already don't, uh, I haven't beaten Red Dead Redemption 1 yet. Really? Yeah. Uh, and that is be- that is because the story is very heavy in this game. And sometimes what I do is I play a game for a long time on a stretch. And then I stop for whatever reason. Maybe school, work, or I find another game or something. And then when I come back to a game that's very story heavy, I kind of feel that disconnect. It's like you know, watching a movie from the, from the middle after uh, watching the first half like six months ago right you know what i mean so so i have to start all over and i've already done that three times with red dead redemption <laughs> this time the game is available backwards compatible on uh, xbox one and xbox 360 and it has streaming to my pc so i can technically in a way play this game from my pc and on my xbox one and on my xbox 360 so i don't have any excuses mm, you really so, don't you should finish it yeah yeah I, i'm definitely gonna finish it before the next one comes out all right yeah um next up for our Mm -hmm. news is something that uh it's not really known uh Mm -hmm. but i think it's super important that is voice actors are officially going on strike uh video Mm -hmm. game voice actors Mm -hmm. so this is from um s sagafra sagafra yeah the screen actors guilds yeah uh i forgot what the after means but it's uh the uh that's the union that represents the voice actors in fact i had a conversation once with uh someone from sagafra uh like she was part of the union and um uh, she said that you know it's not the same as the official sag the screen actors guild because they get a whole bunch of uh perks that come with uh being part of that union and um i haven't really looked too much into the story so exactly what is the reasoning for their strike is it just because of money yeah so the reasoning is that they feel that voice actors aren't aren't being uh compensated enough for what they do Mm -hmm. Uh, more importantly like they kind of like like want an honorarium system for voice actors being in a part of the the game because okay. you know voice acting plays such a huge part so like right. you know they get some sort of residual income for the game right. uh and the 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 game uh, the gaming industry is fighting back saying no this isn't fair to all the developers and the artists and all the uh, you know the other technical roles that go into this they don't mm-hmm. get any sort of residual either so it doesn't right. make sense for voice actors to get something special while the others don't so that's where the i guess the fight is happening is they don't they're not agreeing on that so that's where the strike is for. Okay. Well, what is your opinion on this? Um, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, making uh, making a better, uh, like people getting more, voice actors getting more money obviously is something cool, but I feel like they're kind of being stuck up on like they want a little bit more money, but at the same time, like the game dev, like being a game dev industry in the game dev industry, it's like one of the worst jobs you can have. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you get switched around projects so many times. Like if a, a game finishes, you, you you might not have a job afterwards. Like just the developers themselves have such a hard time in the industry, and nobody really cares about that. But these voice actors want like sort of a privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think know. I think I think they're just looking for the same type of treatment that you'd get in the film industry and the TV industry, which uh, seems kind of uh, in a way almost unfair. Maybe that's the wrong word, but uh, but that's because, uh, you, you know, every time a TV show plays the actor that played in the show after the show has been syndicated, he gets he or she gets a bit of a chunk of money uh, from that. And uh, I believe there's something similar that applies to commercials and um, well, what are they called? Uh, movies as well. So, 
they're just kind of looking for that similar type of of uh, treatment. But how do you exactly measure that? Because uh, you know, video games are definitely more expensive to purchase than you know watching a movie or TV show. And on t- and you can't really measure like how they get this residual income. Is it just a portion of uh, how many games are sold? So it's like they basically get a percentage of the profit. So that 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 brings a, that to me brings about more issues than anything else. I don't know how this whole royalty thing works to begin with, and how they're even going to work it out. So, but at the very least, um, one thing that I do know is that the games that we know are coming out in the very near future, like probably within, I believe the date that I heard was sometime in February or March or something. They're not going to get affected. So the holiday right, titles okay. are. I mean, obviously they're already been finished. So I, Red Dead I, I, Two might be affected mm-hmm. by this. Uh, I well, if they're if they're saying that they're releasing it by March and they've already gotten most of the assets in, I believe they've already done most of the voice acting, if not all the voice acting. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, the one game that I am worried about is Mass Effect Andromeda because they still yeah, haven't picked any uh, winners from that uh, contest. So <laughs> I don't know if they got the rest of the voice acting done. Uh, but hey, if you can't get any uh, voice actors from the union, you know, there's still me, you know, that you can hire for your video games. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you laughed at that because I was joking. Uh, anyways, moving on. Um, so uh, here there's a rumor that Diablo 4 is going to be revealed at BlizzCon. And I did hear about this uh, before you brought it up with me as well. So uh, tell me how you heard this rumor get started. Um, so it came out through, I think it was through, a a Twitch, uh, streamer who had bought the BlizzCon, um, goodie bag thing. Mm-hmm. And that came in early. And so he was looking through the stuff and there's a particular item. It's a dice. Uh, it's mm-hmm. like a, it's a dungeon. It's like a dice for, um, dungeons and dragons yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it seemed odd cause it had, uh, three on it. It had, it had it had some sort of it had like a it had a four i think mm-hmm. on it and it didn't make sense with how the dice is supposed to be played so that's like speculation that this is actually rumoring diablo 4 right um just because of the stuff on it so that's what i heard mm-hmm. there's also i heard of that too and that part i thought to me was kind of confusing the other part uh that seems to point towards his rumor is that or that seems to kind of confirm this is that in the uh, map that shows the uh, show floor for BlizzCon 2016, uh, last year in 2015, there was an area specifically marked Diablo 3. This time, it specifically marked Diablo without any numbers. So the way I heard from the dice was that there's a one, a one, and a three, or a four, or something in the middle. Like, that's the way the dice looked. So Mm -hmm. there's a chance that, you know, that one and the one, you put it together, you get two. There's a chance this could be a Diablo 2 remaster slash remake, or it could be a straight-up sequel, Diablo 4. At least that much we know based on the fact that there was no numbering on the map for BlizzCon's show floor, so or play floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll see. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's uh, kind of play with this just a little bit. What are you looking for? What, what would you rather have? A Diablo 2 uh, remake or a straight up co- a straight up sequel of Diablo 4? Man, ah, that's that's tough, man. Diablo 2 is an amazing game. Mm-hmm. But I would like to see Diablo 4. I feel like um, with the new direction that 
uh, Blizzard has taking these games and you know the new uh, the new team that's heading up all the story board stuff I would like to see someone take Diablo 4 and make it interesting because mm-hmm. Diablo 3 was disappointing Yes, uh, it, I mean it was disappointing at first, but I feel like they've really fixed it and made they, it a lot they better. They have really yeah. fixed it, especially with the Reaper of Souls. Uh, it's content. been too late. It's too late. It's too late. Yeah, it is. Of course, if a game isn't good when it comes out, then it is kind of too late. Diablo Two was great when it came out. Lords of Destruction was awesome, uh, and I'm sure Blizzard is a company that values quality and polish over anything else. So uh, I heard interviews where the Blizzard people took it very personally when they knew that they messed up with Diablo Three. So I'm very sure they would be extremely stupid if they make those exact same mistakes with Diablo 4. So it'll be pretty interesting to see what's that would kill up. the series. That would literally kill the series. Mm-hmm. If they screw up Diablo 4, that's it. That's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think honestly that would make me lose faith in Blizzard as uh, in Blizzard entirely because uh, this is one of their biggest tentpole franchises. You know, like it's one of the things that defines Blizzard. So they better keep this thing alive. Yeah. I'm also kind of... I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Dia- Blizzard's kind of in the shady realm right now with their little microtransaction. Uh, they're getting kind of greedy with that stuff. Mm-hmm. The, a lot of companies seem to be following that route. Remember so, last week? You know, last week we had an entire rant about it. Yeah. Um, and they are they are getting there. I yeah. mean, Overwatch is it's pretty... They're getting pretty money grubby with it. I feel I feel like they're just following the trend that other companies are doing, like with Valve and that uh, the little spray can thing in uh, CS:GO, uh, the uh, skins for CS:GO guns. Uh, what other companies? Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of companies that have been doing that right now. So I think they're just kind of, in a way, trying to get a little bit of that piece of that pie. Just yeah. to kind of keep the the finances rolling in for the game, but we'll see what exactly happens with Diablo Four. Moving on. Hmm. Uh, so here's this is something interesting that I found. Mm-hmm. Uh, these the dead game, uh, Division Four, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that failed. The division, sorry, mm-hmm. it failed horribly. Everybody hated it, and Ubisoft sucks at making it fail because it had a really good chance of being good mm-hmm. uh they're revamping it the 1.4 update is apparently a huge major overhaul of the game my mm-hmm. question is do you think it's too late i absolutely think it is too late because if they make people um uh, what's it called pay for a season a season pass and they have to wait even longer because they have to fix the game then uh, and on top of which, uh, the game was very easy to exploit. You know, there are a lot of uh, easy, mm-hmm. there are a lot of ways to very easily just cheat in the game. I feel like that's a major problem with this yeah, game. Yeah, and I heard Dark Zone is super broken. Oh, oh my! I don't even go to the Dark Zone. I, yeah, I just, apparently, yeah. like as soon as you go through the Dark Zone gate, you get wrecked. You get oh. camped. Oh yeah, I, so I, it's not even fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it really isn't. Even when I go with friends, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. Uh, but. Even, you know, I tried playing the game co-op with a friend as well, and uh, I don't know. It's like there's something really wrong with the game because at first I was able to fast travel. Now I'm not, When like when I most recently played the game. And with the same friend, I played Gears of War Ultimate Edition, which, uh, let's face it, is a remaster of a game that's all, that's 10 years old. And we had way more fun playing a game that was 10 years old than a game that came out last year. 
So that mm-hmm. just goes to show that, you know, the division has, if they're going to be fixing the game, they got a lot more to do than just, uh, you know, fix the little bugs and, you know, all those issues with the loot and the dark zone. It's really... And I, I think know, fundamentally just, that game has just failed. Yeah, so I, I, I've, I, I'm not even... I don't. I don't even see this as news with the 1.4 update. So, yeah, because I got yeah. I got burned. I got burned big time. I bought the ultimate edition of the game with the season pass. Oh so, man! Yeah. Oh man! I, I got it on but sale. Try it out. Try out. Try out 1.4. See see if it's any good. We'll, we shall see. I did get the game on sale, so I didn't pay 100 bucks. I paid 65. So, hey, it's not that bad. No, it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Did you play the game at all? I have not. I haven't played at all. Okay, I've the beta heard, or something. I've just heard everybody that I know that had it just mm-hmm. cry about it, and I'm like, yeah, this looks like a game that I will never get mm-hmm. unless it's on sale for five bucks. Yeah, then then I'll give it a shot. Yep. Yeah, it's very. It feels very average, and it plays more like an RPG rather than anything else. And I feel like Ubisoft should definitely move away move away from that RPG type thing because they did that with the crew. They made a racing game feel like an RPG. Can you believe yeah, that? Yeah, I, you know, the thing is, I was kind of looking forward to the crew, mm-hmm. and then when I saw it, I was like, "Oh man, this is gonna be super disappointing." And I didn't get it, and I'm glad I didn't get it. Cause... Let me let me tell you what the problem with the crew is. I bet that the pe- that uh, at Ubisoft and Ivory Tower when they were making this game, they're like, "Hey guys, you know all those things that make a driving game fun, like the car being able to drive well. Well, let's take all of that out." <laughs> that's basically what they did with that game because the cars aren't even fun to drive like driving an off-road monster uh, uh through like the grand canyon or something should feel amazing but it doesn't it feels like a chore you know so uh, you can drive throughout the entire continental united states but even though it's like more of a, a miniature replica of the entire country the question i ask myself is why would i want to do that you know, it's just not a fun game, and it just kind of shows Ubisoft's track record of them trying to implement all of these RPG-type mechanics into their games and failing miserably. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm slowly, I mean, not slowly, I'm rapidly losing my faith in Ubisoft. They used to be a very, uh, a company that I held very near and dear to my heart. So I don't know, man. This is, it's pretty... Like, it's funny to laugh at stuff like the division, but at the same time, it's pretty scary to me of what what's happening to Ubisoft, especially with the whole Vivendi thing, you know. So yeah. yeah. All right, moving on from not Ubisoft news. <laughs> <laughs> so I have no idea when this uh, when this one will go live, but mm-hmm. as of right now, uh, the League of Legends uh, World Championships final round is coming up, and to nobody's surprise, the two uh, South Korean teams are in the finals. Uh, SKT and Samsung Galaxy. Mm. So we'll see. I have a feeling SKT will win again. Okay. But Samsung Galaxy has done really good this uh, this season, so they might put up a fight. So since I'm the ignorant one here, uh, the team being called Samsung Galaxy, are they the official Samsung team? or Yes. You- so Samsung uh, has a couple teams uh, okay. in different esports. And one of them is Samsung Galaxy for League of Legends. Okay, you know what they should do? If Samsung, Gal- if the Samsung team loses, they should give the winners uh, the Note Seven as a gift. <laughs> <laughs> that way, oh, they'll say, "Hey, if you guys win, we'll give you guys a Note 7. It's like, "No, no, no! We'll just lose right away." That's what should happen. 
And you've been enjoying this World's uh, Finals, huh? I, I mean, I was, I got disappointed. I felt like the EA and yeah, the NA and EU teams got slaughtered, absolutely mm-hmm. slaughtered. Uh, and I was hoping they'd put up a little bit more of a fight than they did. Mm. And the Russian team lost too, which I was kind of oh, hoping. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Wow, that's so, crazy. Oh, that's esports Yeah, just, uh, just the Chinese and the Koreans, man. Man. And a lot of people were saying in this in this world, like, oh, you know, the gap between NA and, uh, you know, S- South Korea is, is closing. You know, they're getting as good. This world's pr- proved otherwise uh, so, for sure. So it's basically like during the olympics uh team usa's basketball team and everyone else's basketball team yeah pretty much okay that's a good way that's a good analogy <laughs> <laughs> all right uh moving on from that uh mm-hmm. well actually in the same vein mm-hmm. east of esports uh this is actually pretty sad news so um k-e-s-p-a the korean esports association is uh officially announced that it is disbanding all starcraft pro league um matches like it's it's done it's done with starcraft so that puts out like i think like majority of the teams uh have disbanded because of this in in south korea that's that's pretty incredible because from what i heard the national sport of south korea is starcraft yeah so it's moved i mean they're everyone's realizing that now people are moving away from starcraft i mean it's been a long time coming uh, mm-hmm. StarCraft has been the esports t- scene for StarCraft has been dying mm-hmm. uh, overall, okay, and that's I think why. it's yeah it's overall I think this is this has this is something that that was inevitable and it is eventually going to come. Uh, it can't last forever, especially mm-hmm. with the realm of gaming and so many other games out there right now that don't require as much time to as much tedious time to uh, play and be more enjoyable to pl- watch. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean it's sad, but uh, that's that's life, man. Yeah, that does <laughs> make sense. On. Yeah, that does make sense. Um, all right. Speaking of moving on, moving on to our next uh, and uh, what I believe is our final item in our new segment is that Bethesda is stopping giving game review copies. Now I'll be honest with you, I don't think this is any new news because they didn't give out any copies for Doom. For the yeah, but they didn't put it. No, but they didn't put out an official statement saying, "Hey, mm. we're gonna not gonna give out reviews ever." Okay. So, but Bethesda officially put out a statement saying, "Yeah, we're not giving out review copies anymore." Wow. And they kind of played it as, "Oh, you know, we feel like the gamers should be just as entitled as reviewers. Like it's blah blah blah." It's kind of BS, uh, the way they put it. But this is huge. I think mm-hmm. this is huge because they're still, to my knowledge. Uh, like streamers and popular YouTube people are still going to get it mm-hmm. or still are, have still got it. For example, uh, I know a bunch of people, a bunch of streamers already have the Elder Scrolls Special Edition. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that are they're already streaming it. Uh, Skyrim Special Edition. So they're specifically screwing over the reviewers, mm. which in my opinion is huge uh, because they, they're, they're I guess, uh, um, Defense is that reviews don't really matter anymore. Nobody really listens to the reviews. They just watch a video and they're like, oh, okay, I'm going to get this. Right. So they're like, oh, we're not going to spend resources into giving copies if they don't benefit us. Uh, but I think this is a huge uh, push for them to kind of control mm-hmm. uh, how uh, how their games are reviewed. I agree with you. Because, uh, you know, Doom, yes, it's a great game. 
but the fact is that nobody really had time to properly review it mm-hmm. uh, before people, before the general public had time to buy it. Mm-hmm. And I think and that, that's huge. Yeah, and I think that even hurt the game too because uh, since people couldn't look up reviews for the game before it came out, uh, they were like they didn't even know if the game was going to be good or bad, and it kind of came out in a very quiet time when there wasn't really anything else going on. Uh, so rather than capitalizing on that marketing and pushing out on those reviews and saying that oh all these companies you know all like IGN, GameSpot, uh, PC Gamer, Official Xbox Magazine, all these people say that uh, our game is great, rather than doing that, it hurt the game sales. Now whenever I try to play that game online, there's nobody playing it. Yeah, and I find it funny that they're using Doom as an example because uh, I feel like so Doom had the the multiplayer beta, which not a lot of people liked, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were worried that, oh, Doom's going to suck. So The single player was excellent. Yeah, so the single player was excellent. So the, my, my question is, wouldn't you as a company want to give review copies earlier so that they can dispel this myth that, oh, Doom's going to suck? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, be- absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. So it makes no sense uh, as a company for me to not give review copies and kind of keep people in the dark mm-hmm. of a game that people are questioning because you put out a crappy beta right i think they're just trying to capitalize on their bigger names and just hope that the name itself will carry through in the sales and uh, maybe these streamers will just kind of be incentivized to uh i mean people are just going to watch the video of these uh, people playing the game and they're not you know the the review quote unquote from these streamers are going to be seen as way more subjective than an actual review from a journalist so people aren't really going to care. I mean, I think that I'm kind of trying to think from Bethesda's point of view where even if these streamers were going to be giving a review of the game, it's not going to be as strong. What do you think of that? Mm, yeah, I mean, it's to an extent, there is some sort of truth in that. Mm-hmm. The review, I guess, uh, the re- like written reviews are not looked at as deeply as it used to be, right? A lot of people are watching videos are watching uh short snippets of what the game would be like Mm -hmm. rather than like reading reviews Mm -hmm. um but the the importance of having those well-written reviews is super important Mm -hmm. especially to the industry because it kind of gives the consumer an idea of what you're getting into exactly Uh, with this you're 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 pretty much going in blind in every bethesda game on onwards Mm -hmm. And it, it and even uh, it, it even kind of gives a reflection to the developers themselves that oh we made a critically successful game even if the game wasn't commercially successful, and uh, that's important for games like you know the games that came out like Psychonauts and um, even Doom. Doom I don't think was very financially successful, but it did review kind of well and it still remains a cult classic for people who enjoy that game. So you know it's uh, it really does hurt the industry and. You know, these these reviewers are the ones are the only ones left, not the only ones left, but are the few that are left with some sense of an objective voice in uh, in the world of video games. You know what I mean? Because anyone else is kind of going to I mean, of course, everybody's going to come in with their bias, but it's the it's the job of a video game journalist to remain as objective as possible. So they're going to be talking about the quality of the game rather than why they think they don't like the game and that's why the game sucks. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I'm more scared that other, other publishers are going to try and follow suit and not give um, 
review copies. I don't think I know a couple I, of sites mm-hmm. have already stated that they're not going to review Bethesda games anymore mm-hmm. as like a backlash of this. Okay, that seems okay. That seems okay. That's kind of childish that they're not going to review any Bethesda games because they're not getting any game review copies. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Anyways, we've been actually talking about the news for quite a long time. So let's move on to our... <laughs> there was a lot to talk yeah, about. There was a lot to talk about. And surprisingly, a lot to talk about with that last... Uh, I didn't think I was going to have a strong of an opinion about that. But anyways, moving on to our next segment called Now Playing. So, Abdul, tell me, what have you mm-hmm. been playing this week? Oh, man. This has been... Uh, it's been a fun week for me, man. Mm. It's, it really has. Uh, so I'll start with the game that came out the earliest and uh, that I've been playing longest mm-hmm. i guess uh battle right which is i don't know if you heard about bloodline champions it was kind of it's a it was a computer game wasn't really successful no idea uh, it's kind of like an arena battle arena game no um, idea i'm sorry battle arena brawler so battle right um is kind of the successor of bloodline champions okay. and it is it is super fun so imagine, think of it as, okay, so the game matches overall last about three minutes, three to four minutes okay. total. Okay. Uh, it's, it's an, uh, I would say it's like an arena brawler, but think of it Wait, hold as, on, hold on. Uh, let me stop you right there. Did you talk mm-hmm. about this game in a previous episode? Did I? I don't know, because the whole three-minute thing sounds very familiar. Yeah, I think it did. Okay. <laughs> it's not, it, well, see, that's the thing about forgot. some of these yeah, games yeah. with a very generic name. It's like hard to... Uh, it's hard to keep yeah, track yeah, of. Them. Yeah. That's why you know when I forgot that I talked about you know it. when uh, Overwatch and Battleborn were uh, were kind of announced around the same time. I kept getting mm-hmm. both of those mixed up every time I was hearing those in podcasts. Gotcha. Yeah, that's yeah. So I did talk about it yeah. before. I'm still playing it. It's super fun. They released a Halloween update, which released two new heroes. Okay. Uh, that I'm playing with, and uh, it's not super and it's not free to play. No, this is an early access game. Okay. I think it's fifteen bucks. Okay. But when it releases, it will be free to play. Ooh, okay. Okay. Uh, so and you and you were yeah. actually okay with uh, forking over the money, even though this game is eventually going to become free. Yes. Because okay. I will get every single champion for free. Oh. Um, okay. All right. But if you obviously play free to play, you have to you know unlock them over time right. somehow. Yeah. Or pay the money and just unlock them all right away. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, that was kind of smart. What else have you mm-hmm. been playing? Uh, Gears of War 4 mm. uh, came out. I've been playing that a lot. Yeah. I beat the story mode on... Um, I haven't beat it on Insane. I beat it on Hardcore. Nice. Uh, yet, yeah. Oh. So that was that was fun, man. So you like the game. But yeah, it is. Yeah, I do like the game. Uh, the ending is obviously set up to uh, show that there's going to be more mm-hmm. Gears of War. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't the end, so it's like a new enemy, a new uh, era. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil it because there's pretty big. You kind of get the idea of what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. It's it's it, the game is it's kind of like a it, it takes the uncharted direction of you're in it for the ride. Right. Okay. There's some cool stuff. There's some outlandish cool stuff that's gonna happen. You know, just enjoy it, have fun. Uh, don't play it on it hardcore if you. If you're not up for the challenge, I would say normal is good enough to have that challenge mm-hmm. and enjoy it mm-hmm. at the same time. Uh, for me, hardcore was a little bit tedious. Uh, I was dying a little too much, okay. but I that for me that was enjoyable because I'm like I, I wanted to enjoy okay. it. Okay, I know in the previous episodes I said I wasn't gonna get I think Gears of War four or Forza Horizon three, uh, but the um, 
the week that I said that in the previous episode was also my birthday and I didn't realize I was going to I had friends who actually cared about me and gave me gave me gifts in the form of GameStop gift cards. So, nice. so I was actually able to get Gears of War 4. So I also started playing it myself if you didn't notice me uh, on Xbox Live. I did not. Okay. Yeah, so don't be mad at me that I didn't join your game or whatever. Uh, but it, it, I agree with you. It is kind of fun. I didn't play with, through it as much because I had a, a pretty busy week, which I'll get to talk about uh, once you finish talking about all the games that you played. Because I know there's a pretty big one that you're about to talk about right now. Yeah, so that's single player. Mm-hmm. Uh, multiplayer, however, is it's a different story. So there is microtransactions in this game. Mm-hmm. And pretty big ones, uh, I might add. So most of them are cosmetic, but aside from horde mode, horde mode is a big one where the microtransactions actually uh, implement or kind of affect the gameplay. So you can get like better equipment, uh, better like level. You can level up faster, uh, so you get uh, cooler gear to put on your guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because in horde mode you pick a specific class and then to unlock different classes you have to get uh, like you know these crates and to get crates uh, you have to kind of either shell like a bunch of in-game currency or Mm. just buy it outright but the horde mode uh, microtransaction is disgusting man Mm. it's super bad i like and i feel like it's it's made in a way where they want you to spend money. It's made so that you cannot play it. Uh, it gets to a point where you cannot just play it for free. Mm. You have to put money into it. I've, they did recently patch it so that the, you get more EXP from uh, the horde mode so that you don't have to, you're not kind of grinding over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really bad. It's It's one of the worst ones that I've seen. I have a feeling that there's going to be huge backlash from the gamers and they're eventually... There is. There is already. That, People are pissed. Here's the part that's coming up, uh, that they're probably going to just completely do, do away with this whole microtransaction thing. Ooh, I don't know. Or maybe they might at least fix it to where... You know, the microtransaction thing is just more of, oh, people want to pay, that's fine. If people want to just play and not have to pay, that's cool too. Yeah. So we shall see. Because the Horde mode, I played it at a GameStop Expo, was a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, we'll see what they do with that. Now, yeah, I mean, if you're on, well, let's play Horde mode together. All right. It's pretty yeah, fun. I, forewarning, I suck. Uh, but, it's okay. Okay. All right. I'm glad you're okay with it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, here. I'm not the greatest. Yeah, I, I used to be super into uh, Gears of War Online. Oh, really? I had like a clan going. Yeah, we had like clan matches and stuff. Okay. This is the original Gears, uh, by the way. Okay. And man, was super into yeah, it. Yeah, I heard some pretty strong opinions from someone that the original Gears was like the only game, a Gears game that got it right uh, with the multiplayer. Yeah. Uh, this, one's, this one's pretty good. Mm. I would say as someone who was really into the original Gears multiplayer, this one I feel like they did right. Okay. All right. I never, I very rarely played Gears uh, multiplayer. Uh, if anything, I played Gears 2 and 3's uh, horde mode, but I was mostly in it for the single player. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, as long as the single player is good, that's what's that's what really matters to me. And the co-op uh, aspect of it is great, too. And I've been meaning to actually have a co-op session with, uh, uh, with someone playing all the way from Gears of War 1 to Gears of War 
uh, four. So um, I have a couple of friends lined up to do that. So we'll see if that actually happens. But the big game that I was waiting for you to talk about, you still haven't talked about that yet. Okay, so you want me to talk about Civilization? Yes, yes. How is it? Is that the one? Uh, Oh, my God. So that game is... uh... It's a roller coaster, man. Mm. Uh, it's really good. I over okay over my overall opinion is this is a really good game. Okay. So if you're a person that has never played a Civ game or hasn't played a Civ game in a very long time, mm-hmm. and you want to play a Civ game, I would highly recommend you play Civ Five with all like the game of the year Civ Five edition okay. uh, first because you can get that for ten bucks, five bucks on Steam. Mm-hmm when it goes on sale and enjoy that for a little bit after you're done with that then come to Civ 6 because by the time you're done with that and you come to Civ 6 a lot of the bugs that I'm going to talk about will most likely (laughs) be fixed (laughs) okay go on so So tell me about some of these bugs so yeah so my main uh, concern for this game even though I so I got burned pretty hard on Beyond Earth Mm. that people even forgot about because it's such a crap of a Mm. game uh, but, it, you know, I'm a huge, huge 4X guy, so I buy pretty much almost all 4X mm-hmm. games. So I, I knew I was going to get this regardless. And Civ 6, overall, it's different enough, it's new enough, it feels fresh enough that it is. Uh, it can be warranted as a, as a good game on its own. The mechanics are very different now. Um, a lot of the stuff, how can I say, like, there's a district system. So in Civ 5, uh, I don't know, for those that have played, you know, all of your wonders, all of your buildings were just in the middle. Right. Uh, in in your main mm-hmm. city and that's it and it would just kind of expand so now this one you can specialize in districts and each district does its own thing you can get an industrial district that does oh, you know industrial buildings okay. a science district that has science buildings a theater district that does like theater buildings so an entertainment district that has entertainment buildings so different things and each wonder takes its own tile so now you have to be very careful on where you place your wonders uh, because now not only do you have to worry about where you place them, but each wonder in each uh, district, uh, some of them uh, mix with one another and some of them don't. So they're going to give each other bonuses. Mm. Uh, for example, the science and the theater one, I believe, or is it the industrial one? I have to double check. Uh, they are they coincide with each other. So if they're next to each other, they give each other bonuses. Mm. Uh, but if they're not, then they don't give each other bonuses. So you kind of have to plan your city ahead of time, and you have to you have to do a lot more thinking, a lot more planning ahead of time wow. in this one, rather than just kind of clicking, you know, clicking the next thing and hitting right. next. Uh, as if I've had it. Whew, okay. So just the city alone uh, is pretty good now, and religion plays a huge part of it now. Mm. As well, uh, I know for Civ Five, religion came in later in the game as an expansion, mm-hmm. but now Civ Six has it from the beginning, and it is a victory condition that can be re- wow. reached. Wow. Okay. Uh, so it's Civ. Yeah, religion is huge, uh, and it plays a huge role mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and, so those are the good things about Civ okay. Six. <laughs> oh, those are the good things. Okay. So wait, real quick about the religion system. Uh, how do you feel like since this is this is a podcast about Muslim gamers? Uh, is it like just a, a mechanic or do you get to like pick the religion or something or? Oh no. Yeah. You, so you can find Islam okay. and you know, spread Islam okay. <laughs> and fight okay. other spread Islam using the merchants or using soldiers. No, no, no. So you, so you produce, uh, kind of like priests okay. or like imams, sheikhs. <laughs> that will go out and spread the religion to other cities okay. and they can fight other they can only fight other sheikhs and imams and priests <laughs> 
of other religions. So they cannot. Uh, so you can't fight um, regular units, uh, but uh, to an extent you can, but you have to declare holy war. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man! So that's what I was, that's what I'm saying is like the religion thing has gotten super crazy. Wow! Um, it's it's pretty fun, man. Yeah. I have founded Islam. Uh, no, the fact the fact that uh, that imams can only fight other imams that's like the most <laughs> realistic part of the game. Yeah, dude, it's super funny. Uh, oh, one thing I forgot to mention is aside from the tech tree, the the technology tree, there uh-huh. is now a new tech, a new tree aside from. So they still have the science tree. So it's called the scientific tree, uh, not the tech tree. Uh, they have a civic tree, which unlocks uh, civic laws that you oh, can okay. implement. And those civic laws you can implement. So you pick a type of government, for example, a monarchy, a republic, a theocracy, uh, a theology, uh, a communism, a fascism, uh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, democracy. Mm-hmm. So you can pick different uh, religion, uh, the- you know, theologies to follow as your government, as your mm-hmm. former government. And then you can put uh, st- different civics that you've unlocked into your government to give you bonuses. Mm. So that's super cool. The that that addition is super cool. Okay. And I think it's a very good addition. Nice. To Civ Six. Okay. Uh, sorry, I'm talking uh, a while about no, Civ no, Six. No, but no, no. No, no. That's fine. I I actually am very interested to know more about let, this let game. Let me just tell you how much I've been playing. So, game came out on Friday, uh, and it is currently Wednesday. Right, mm-hmm. so that's like five days. Five days. Five days. I have I have forty four hours logged. Wow. <laughs> so I've been playing quite a bit, I would say. Dang um, man, hashtag no life. Hashtag no life. Yeah, for man. real. So and so those are the good things. The bad thing is, man, the AI sucks so bad. Mm. Uh, not they're just super. Okay, they're like little baby. They get they're like little babies and everything. They get butt hurt way too easily. I don't know what the programming is, but literally you do one little thing and all of a sudden a sieve goes from being your friend to declaring war the next turn. Wow. Like it's super bad. And they like to to befriend a like an AI sieve is impossible. I feel like every sieve piss, gets pissed at you no matter what. Uh no matter what you do. Hmm. So there's no form of diplomacy you're gonna go to war with every single one of them eventually and it's super apparent because all of a sudden you'll just see them you know get getting a bunch of uh units and they're kind of going towards your border and even though you know you click on the sim it says oh you're neutral or you're friends with them you're like yeah he's gonna declare war in like two to three turns Mm -hmm. and lo and behold you know two turns later he's like oh i gotta declare war on you now for no freaking reason i have no idea what i did I'm just minding my own business. I literally have not touched any of his stuff, you know? Mm. Uh, but so the AIs are supposed to do uh, different things. Uh, oh, by the way, Gandhi does not declare war on others. Um, Thank God. Finally. But the, he's still nuke friendly. So mm. if you declare war on him, good luck. <laughs> well, I mean, th- th- that part, I guess, is kind of realistic because India is a nuclear power. So Yeah. Uh, but okay, so what was I talking about? Oh, the AI. Mm-hmm. Um, and how yeah, much man. it sucks. And how much it sucks. Overall, the AI just needs a lot of fixing. Uh, fixing. There's a huge uh, annoying thing where the uh, the game will cycle units automatically once you're done with moving one of them. Mm. So it's super annoying when you're moving one and then it automatically skips to like a worker, 
and then you have to go back to soldier so there's some things that people have put in the iron like on the work on the discussions that hey you can do this in the ini files but i feel like that should be something you should be able to disable on your own because it messes with the flow of your planning okay uh it's super annoying hmm. that's a huge problem there's some a couple ui things that i don't like um the artwork uh, it's growing on me i'm not a huge fan of it i feel like it's way too brown hmm. uh so how it works is the fog of war is this uh map like this made up map and then you kind of unlock it overall as you kind of explore right um but the thing is that the areas that you don't have units around there's like this gray fog all over there's like this brown fog over it so mm-hmm. you have a brown map and a brown fog and it doesn't really good, do a good job of differentiating the two yeah I so bet you're confusing pretty fast it's confusing and it's it looks gross like it just looks ugly yeah because what else um, can you think that's nothing but brown yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it looks like <laughs> so i'm just waiting for a mod to kind of change the color balancing on it or something mm-hmm. uh it's gonna come out so it did came it did come out with mods uh mod support right yeah. so it's you know i expect mods to get on top of that pretty quick uh just so yeah just a bunch of uh no- other things that i feel need tweaking and I think Civ 6 is a solid game. Hmm. All right. So your advice is everyone should get Civ 5 and then play that until Civ 6 if gets If you fixed. haven't if you if you haven't played Civ 5 before. If you're the mm-hmm. person that I that's satisfied like you know what? I played enough of Civ 5 and I want something new. Definitely get Civ 6. Okay. It is something new, it's something different. It is something that will captivate you for a long time. Okay. Uh, I don't feel like I'm going to stop playing this game for a while. Um, so if you're the, if you're the person that has never played a Civ game, you're like, Hey, Emma, should I get the new one? I would definitely recommend you getting Civ 5 first. Okay. All right, cool. I've, Cause I have, I've had Civ 5 for a very long time. I've barely played it because I feel like the game is just so intimidating because there's just so many mechanics going on at play at once when you're trying to play the game. But, uh, I definitely do want to give that game a shot and let's see how uh Civ 6 pans out maybe in a, what, a few months from now do you think that's mm-hmm. how long it'll take yeah 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 definitely. okay okay all right so uh my week has actually been pretty uh interesting to say the least because i w- actually had to travel i went out to uh, texas to watch the formula one race out there uh which is pretty fun it's pretty cool this is the third year in a row that i've done that and i go with a friend who's also a big time racing gamer and, and I mean, this guy plays like hardcore simulators. He's had, uh, and by the way, this is someone who's like 45 years, 46 years old, wife and two kids, and he still does this kind of stuff. He has like a play seat uh, hooked up nice. to a kicker, uh, hooked up to like these realistic pedals and, you know, wheel and all that kind of crazy stuff. At one point had a triple screen setup going on. So this guy is hardcore when it comes to his racing. So that's cool. Yeah, he he knows what he's doing. This is the guy I went on the trip with. So uh, we both took our gaming laptops. He brought a uh, Logitech steering wheel with him on this trip, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and and we were just going back and forth playing a little bit of Formula One uh, in um, uh, on on our laptops. Now let me ask you something, Abdul. Have you played any Formula One game uh, recently that's been made by Codemasters? No, I haven't played any of them. Okay, because uh, those cars in real life are very hard to drive. Very, very hard to drive. 
The games try to get as realistic as possible, and even at the easiest setting with all the assist turned on, it's still very difficult. Mm, yeah, so, I think I've seen I've seen a a picture of uh, I guess just the steering wheel, and there's so many knobs and buttons, and it's like it's like you're flying an airplane. To give you an idea, a few years ago, Top Gear did a special on just how expensive Formula One as a sport is, and because you know this is the UK version, they're talking in pounds. The steering wheel alone is about twenty thousand pounds. Pound sterling, Jeez. as in, which now, I mean, now with Brexit, I don't know how that works, but I guess at that time, it could easily translate itself to about $35,000 for the steering wheel alone. Wow. So that's how crazy of a sport Formula One is. So. Uh, in the even so even in the game when you're trying to just race these cars, they're they require the utmost uh, uh, of focus and attention, especially if you're doing a full like you know forty plus lap race uh, where you have to keep in mind of pit strategy and knowing what type of tires you need and managing fuel because you can't just keep like pushing the car throughout the entire game because or to, throughout the entire race because then that'll wear out your tires or wear out your fuel or whatever. So you got to be very careful about that. And that's why, you know, I, I got a chance to play a bit more of this game because I don't really play it as often because it's so intimidating. But when my friend brought out his wheel and we were just kind of in that whole F1 spirit and we we're playing it, it was pretty cool. And of course, since he had his wheel, I pulled out a little bit of Dirt 3 as well. And it's just been a very racing heavy week for me, which I love. So... That's cool. Yeah, and uh, I also did get my hands on Forza Horizon 3, which I did play. I didn't get a chance to play it as much because I didn't take my Xbox with me, and that game's on my Xbox. I did, however, install it on my laptop because I got the digital version, and I have Windows 10 on my laptop. Oh, I heard it runs like crap on Windows. I haven't even tried it. I haven't tried it yet, so uh, I'll just have to wait to see. Um, which, on, by the way, Gears of War 4 runs uh, ex- like excellent on almost all Windows systems. Yeah, but everyone's I, saying when like, I, it when, runs really good. When I was about to install Gears of War four, the install size was about a hundred gigabytes. Oh wow, really? Yeah, I mean, it was asking for a hundred gigabytes of free space, <laughs> which I didn't have. So That's insane. I don't have Windows ten, so I yeah, I didn't install Gears on my PC. Yeah, but apparently the multiplayer is dead on the PC scene, so that missing out. that kind of I, I I'm not too surprised by that, but I thought it was crossplay uh, between PC. No, oh. not not for Gears, because hmm. I mean the controller to keyboard uh, is just too drastic. That's true. Keyboard people would just absolutely slaughter everyone on controller. That's true. That's true. <laughs> like not even a, not even a joke. Hmm. So they can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, moving on to the uh, to the last game that I want to talk about, which is Shadow Warrior Two. Uh, once again, this is also a game that I didn't get a chance to play a lot of because I still haven't beaten Shadow Warrior One. If you guys aren't hearing a theme with all the games that I'm playing, uh, you should guess it by now that I just don't get around to beating a lot of my games. Uh, but I did play a bit of Shadow Warrior Two just to kind of test it out. Funny thing is, this game plays a lot like Diablo. So I want to hear your th- thoughts on this game because I heard some mixed stuff. Okay, what is the negative stuff that you heard? So the negative stuff that I heard is uh, there's, it's uh, it has a Borderlands effect of there's so much loot and ninety nine point nine percent of the loot is just garbage. Okay, I haven't gotten that far in the game, but I'm gonna keep an eye out on that. And that um, the higher level enemies are just bullet spongy. That 
that's kind of common with games like this. Even in uh, Shadow Warrior One, there were some. And not only that, well, the biggest thing. Not only are they bullet spongy, but they don't do a good job of differentiating like a uh, a higher level monster than you know a regular mob. Okay, I have a... like it's just a green version of the regular guy, and this guy takes like you know, 200 hits to kill, and that guy takes, like, seven hits to kill, okay. type of thing. I mean, that problem was there even in uh, Diablo 3 as well, I noticed. So, mm-hmm. that's why I think it's interesting to draw the comparison between... Because Shadow Warrior 1 felt a lot more linear, uh, didn't really have, like, a loot system or whatever, felt more like that 90s type uh, shooter. Uh, but one good thing about Shadow Warrior 2 is that it plays a lot more fluidly. They did away with the stamina system where you can only sprint for a limited amount of time uh, from Shadow Warrior 1, so Shadow Warrior 2 doesn't have that. Uh, but like I said, I still got to play a lot more of this game to really... Uh, uh, to really know if I can confirm or deny uh, what you've been hearing. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. For the reviews that I read, they were like, oh, it's it's a good game, but there's it does a lot of things that are wrong. Okay. Uh, that's a lot of games these days. I actually haven't looked up any. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. I haven't actually looked up any reviews for this game. I just went ahead and pre-ordered it because I knew I was going to have fun with it, which, you know, so far I did. Um, but you're kind of on a similar a similar note because one of the things I love about games like Shadow Warrior is that it's just a, a very great way for me to just let loose and just unwind. You know, unwind and slice up some demons and see their corpses just mangled and sliced up and all bloodied on the on the floor after I'm just done with them and just be like, ha, huh, I'm slicing up my inner demons by slicing up these demons in the game. Uh, but then again, moving on into our actual topic, how much of slicing is actually really good for us? And the topic that we're going to discuss is uh, violent video games. How much of an effect do they have on us? Should we really be playing them as much as we do? So go ahead, Abdul. So, I, I mean, want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so... I want to like make it clear that we're specifically targeting, you know, like this is for our Muslim perspective. So as Muslims, should we be playing these violent video games mm-hmm. and do they have an effect on us? You know, there's a, you know, if you if you're not a Muslim, you know, whatever, like and you're listening to this, whatever, you know, you, you can. Well, I do. You, you have your, you can have your own opinion yeah, on it. I do want to come. That's at totally it, fine. Yeah, I do want to come at it with a bit of a psychological perspective as well, so our non-Muslim audience can still get something out of this. Perfect. Yeah, I'll try to bring more of the uh, the religion into okay. it, uh, as we tend to do here. Okay, you be the sheikh and I'll be the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, cool. You're the science. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, so um, I sh- like it's it's a it's a gray area. Mm-hmm. I would say where I would definitely it's not something that should be played by kids. Definitely under a particular age. Mm-hmm. And that age group, I feel like, needs to be defined more, especially in the Muslim community. We don't have, uh, like, an age group defined for us. Like, oh, hey, what's the age group that I can let my kid play Gears of War for? Mm -hmm. Because I would say that, you know, a 12-year-old, 13-year-old kid should not be playing Gears of War 4 or Shadow Warrior 2. Mm -hmm. They don't need to play that game uh, because 
that's not something that they should be doing at that age. Mm-hmm. You know, they should be playing Mario or Zelda or or actual or sports, Pokemon or sports. Yeah, sports video games no, are okay too. But I'm talking about actual toxic. sports, not sports. Or video. actual sports. Yeah, going out, they should not be on their tablets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate parents that give like their five year old kids their tablets. Mm-hmm. And anyways. So that I feel like that's a huge thing is we need to define an age group that is that says that uh, an age group that is conscious of what they're playing. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like when you hit your later teens, like I'm 16 plus, you kind of get a more of an understanding of, you know, I'm playing this and this is a video game and it's not really it's just a video game. And this is it's only going to exist in this space. Right. It's not going to go beyond that mm-hmm. uh, until uh, a child has that understanding they should not play these very gory, violent video games. So in your uh, because, in your unofficial opinion, when do you think that age probably might be? I would say um, after... Uh, man, I'm just putting out a ballpark. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say like middle school. Middle school, okay. You know, I actually would have to agree with you on that. I think middle school, like around 12, 13 years old, yeah, because what I would say, like after you hit puberty, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there you go. After yeah, after guys hit puberty, because that's when you kind of uh, experience a lot of things, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you kind of like questioning life a lot, a bit, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're experimenting a little bit more mm-hmm. with what you are or want to be. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I think it's okay, uh, but it should be. I st- I still feel it would be limited. Um, I wouldn't. I would be okay with him playing Gears of War 4, mm-hmm. uh, like a middle school kid, but I would not be okay with them playing GTA 5. Right. Yeah, you've, yeah. Uh, in a previous episode, you have said uh, your thoughts on GTA 5 on why uh, because it's of just the not a good mature content. Yeah. On, yeah. Yeah. Just and, that, ma- yeah. and that's more of uh, not just the violence aspect of it, but more so on the sexuality aspect of it as well. Yeah, too. so there's, I mean, yeah, there's two types of games, right? There's games that are mature just because they're just violent and you're just killing zombies, mm-hmm. aliens monsters demons whatever like doom is a classic example mm-hmm. of that it's just monster games mm-hmm. uh, but there's the other type of games like gta 5 which are not you know you're killing monsters whatever you're killing people mm-hmm. but there's also a, a very mature uh tone of the game mm-hmm. where there's very adult themes in the game mm-hmm. that as a kid i don't think that's something that they should be exposed to at that age and they're meant for a mature audience anyway yeah, it's it, it it says on the box mm-hmm. you need to be 18 or over mm-hmm. to play this game, which, you know, 99% of parents don't even look at when they buy the game for their kid that's been crying for, about it for, you know, a year. Come on, parents. <laughs> and I, so and this is something that, so I was talking to a sheikh uh that I had the opportunity of uh driving around mm-hmm. uh, for a class that he came. Nice. And so I told him like, you know, hey, we do this uh, sort of podcast uh for Muslim gamers and you know, we're going to have a website up soon and stuff like that. So he's like, dude, that sounds super awesome. I don't know anybody else that does what you guys do. Oh. Which I was like, yes. Wow. <laughs> Yay. Official endorsement from a sheikh. Nice. Right? He's like, that sounds super awesome. He's like, me, He's and he said, as a parent uh, of, you know, a young uh, boy and, you know, young ch- children, mm-hmm. I would like you guys to put out some sort of guide for Muslim parents, uh, you know, when it comes to gaming. Oh, like, what man. type of games should they play at what ages? Like, for example, he had... He has, uh, you know, like a five-year-old kid, mm-hmm. like a, a five, a five-year-old son and a seven-year-old son. And I told him, I said, I said that you should have him play puzzle games. Mm-hmm. Those like games that will 
that are fun to play and i suggested a couple puzzle games that uh, that i remember mm-hmm. that i had really fun with so that kind of not it makes their brain function function and makes them think mm-hmm. and it also has fun at the same mm-hmm. time I told them platformers is a great another you know uh, diversion for it as mm-hmm. well. And even as they're getting into those elementary school ages, I think uh, strategy games, you know, forex games are a really great way to really just start kind of expanding the mind and thinking that way. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> so that's something I I'm super down to do. I, and I dude, I, I am so ex- later down the line. I am so excited. Let's like let's make it a video type guide so they can just very easily just watch this video. Yeah. Yeah, let's work on that for sure. But yeah, I I think there's definitely a need for parents to get educated. And I, we can, uh, we don't necessarily need to aim this towards Muslim parents, but parents in general of like what type of games would be most beneficial for their kids and what type of games would be most harmful. And without a doubt, uh, the harm comes in for uh, uh, for kids when they play games with a lot of violence. Now the question comes whether this violence in the video game leads to violence in real life. That's where the main controversy is, because anytime yeah. you know you hear about a shooter uh, that hap- that you know uh, went uh, went on a rampage or went postal or whatever. It's brought back to like, oh, it's because, you know, he used to play a lot of video games and he loved first person shooters and stuff like that when he was younger, uh, whatever. Or even he loved to play it at his age. What is your thought on that? How much BS do you see there between the connection between these violent video games and the actual violence in real life? Uh, It's interesting. I don't think there's any uh, there. I don't think there's enough scientific studies that have been done Mm -hmm. to prove that violent games equals violent person in real life. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe you can educate me on that. You're more of the psychology. You're in the psychology. Well, realm. Uh, the way I mean, obviously, you'd have to. So you'd have to measure and kind of expose the kid to a little bit of uh, expose one group of kids to some violence or violent video games, and expose a, another group of kids to uh, like a non-violent game or whatever, and see how each of them uh, react after a while. Now, right, right, and, right. My question and, is, has that been done? Y- uh, there are quite a lot of studies have been done. There have been so many studies done on that. The problem is that these studies, I wouldn't call them inconclusive, but it's very like the results of them are very generalized. And what what I mean by that is, like for example, like, let's just take for example. This isn't. I'm kind of uh, pulling some stuff from just some of the research studies I've seen. So this isn't one particular research studies. I'm research study I'm talking about. Uh, let's say, for example, we got uh, one. We got a couple of groups, three groups of kids. One group of kids they play um, uh, some non-violent game. I, I can't think of something. Um, Animal Crossing. Mario. Okay. okay. Uh, Animal yeah. Crossing. <laughs> You're not even jumping on any animals or jumping on any Koopas or killing anything. It's completely oh, non-violent. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Uh, the other group of kids they play Grand Theft Auto. And the last group of kids is the control group where they play nothing. They just, you know, play with their toys or whatever. And they measure aggression. And from some of these studies, uh, the way they measure aggression is by giving them like a bubble doll or um, uh, seeing how, you know, when the kids are finally all put back together, uh, all these three groups of kids are kind of put together, how they kind of react with each other, what type of aggressive or violent tendencies they have towards each other. What they've noticed is that what some of these studies show, or actually quite a bit of these studies, what they show is that those kids, they get into that violent or kind of aggressive stage, but not for a prolonged time. It's very temporary. The kids that have been playing video games. That have been playing the violent video games. 
Oh, the okay. kids that played the peaceful games and the uh, kids that haven't played any ga- any games at all, they kind of show more of a, a what's it called, uh, passive. passive and kind of similar type of behavior. So uh, uh, once again, I do have to state as a disclaimer that I'm not quoting any specific um, uh, specific one specific research study. This is just my understanding of it. So if I am wrong, I invite you to come out and correct me. Uh, but this is just from my few years of having studied all this stuff. What's the age group? Um, I think there yeah, there have been different studies done on different age groups, and I'm definitely talking about pre-puberty. Okay, okay, so there have been like groups between like first graders, second graders, whatever, um, uh, all the way up to maybe like just right before puberty. And, you know, what that shows is that there are uh, an overwhelming number of uh, research after that is showing that, you know, a lot of these games, they do contain some kind of violence. More than 85% of video games out there, according to an article that I'm looking at on CNN, says that, you know, they... 85% of video games have some for some sort of violence in one way or another. Even Pokemon has some sort of violence. But right. if 85% of video games have some sort of violence and uh, kids are you know going to get violent because they play Grand Theft Auto, we should be seeing a lot more incidents than what we're hearing about. That's very so true. So that goes to show that it's very like it's kind of almost media driven like i don't know if you remember this whole controversy when mass effect came out fox news makes such a big deal of the uh like their their actual the same sex interaction not just a, not just the same sex interaction but the fact that there was actual sex that happens in the game but then again this is a cutscene this is an interactive like the hot coffee thing for san andreas uh, <laughs> and this and Honestly, like from this is me coming from a filmmaker perspective. Of course, a stock for the law. You're not supposed to look at this stuff, but it was more tastefully done than pornographic. To be honest, you know what I mean. It's like more uh, uh, like what you would see. Yeah, and like movies do a lot worse than games, oh, anyways. Oh, without a doubt. And this is like more on like I would kind of put this more on like somewhere between a PG to R rated rather than like full on R rated or NC seventeen type of sex and. Fox News went crazy. They were like, oh, yeah, this kid can just, you know, uh, of course, you know, the kids aren't the ones who buy these games. Maybe their parents do. But as soon as the dad leaves, the kid can just come in and play this game and, you know, get to see that sex sex scene whenever he wants. First off, this is a game that takes about 30 hours to play and you got to get to like hour 29 to be able to even see the scene. And the scene can be uh, and it's you have to do like very specific things. So I don't think any kid is going to go through that trouble when there's something called and the it's Internet. it's all censored and stuff anyways. It, yeah, it's a, you don't really get to see anything to be honest uh not that i'm saying you should go and check it out but uh, <laughs> uh but kind of they they react the same way the media kind of reacts the same way when it comes to uh uh violent incidents or violent video games they're like oh uh when modern warfare 2 came out it's like oh this game lets you play as a terrorist and you're killing all these people okay first off you're a cia operative so that goes to show a little bit about like what exactly goes on in our geopolitical system, but that's a whole other topic. But uh, that that's just the what the media does. They blow the stuff out of proportion, and they're just kind of distorting facts. When you really take a look at the actual research, it shows that kids, they tend to display some sort of aggression, but nothing to the point of fatal violence. And usually... F- right, and I feel mm-hmm. like... Go ahead. Uh, I feel like uh, video games get this sort of flack uh while other mediums uh you know they're not discussed oh. at all that they're getting this so you know gta is always brought up as the violent mm-hmm. game that if kids play this they're gonna get violent blah 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 all this stuff but at the same time you have movies 
that are doing 10 times mm-hmm. worse uh, stuff. You have music that's talking about 10 times worse mm-hmm. stuff and they get a pass on it. But for, for whatever reason, and, you know, kids are watching movies and they're listening to music at far younger mm-hmm. ages now than they are playing. And video games have that and they have a music and movies have a less barrier of entry in terms mm-hmm. of cost than video games, right? You got to drop 60 bucks to play GTA 5. Uh, even then, you have to have a console that costs about 300 400 mm-hmm. bucks. Like, There's a lot of stuff preventing a child from you know, watching or from playing GTA Five, but any kid can go to a movie theater and watch the you know the latest R rated mm-hmm. movie if they can get in somehow. Like it's not it's not that hard. No, it's you not. Know? Yeah, and yeah, I'd... or they can like pop in like their latest rap album, which I guarantee you has like drug, sex, and money. Oh in yeah. It. Um, so that I feel like that yeah, I feel like it's uh, we blow we as a society are critical of video games in an area where other things are equally, if not, are way mm-hmm. worse. And I don't think video games are even as half as bad as the rest yeah, of the Yeah, especially stuff. based on just the amount of, the type of content that they have. I think the argument that some people make is that because video games are interactive and it kind of puts you in the shoes of the character, you kind of become violent yourself. But it, if that's the case, then we should really be seeing a lot more of these incidents. And when you hear about uh, issues with violence um, or if you hear about really violent incidents, it has more to do with, you know, stuff at the household, like how they were, how the kid was raised or if there was some abuse going on at home or if there's some other deeper psychological issues rather than purely only playing video games. You know, so they're really blaming and looking at the wrong thing uh, by trying to look at a cause for what's, you know, really what's really bringing about this violence so uh but that that still you know goes back to the question of should we really even be playing these video games sure they may not make us violent but that's where i bring up another point that playing a lot of these violent video games sure the the research shows that it doesn't make you violent but it can very easily make you desensitized to this violence and that's very Mm -hmm. true but okay, so this is I'm gonna kind of defend it for a little bit. Let's say the you got Modern Warfare as a Christmas okay. present, and that's the only game you have. You're like 12 years old. Wait, um, what Muslim kid is gonna get that, that as a Christmas present? I'm just kidding. As an Eid <laughs> okay, present. Okay, as an Eid present. There we go. More realistic. <laughs> no, now we're talking. Go ahead. <laughs> you're 12 years mm-hmm. old. And you live in an area, or and I'm I'm speaking from like personal experience because I grew up in an uh, in an area where it's super bad. You know, it's like hella okay. ghetto. It's uh, and for me, I found video games as sort of an alternative and an escape from the world around me. Like I didn't want to be in that world. I didn't want to because you know the the drug scene was super prevalent uh, in my middle school. And, you know, the gang scene was super prevalent in my middle school. So for me to be out and about was way more mm-hmm. dangerous than for me to play Modern Warfare, you know, throughout the night. And I would say to that kid, you know, go ahead and play Modern Warfare, man. Like, it's totally mm-hmm. cool. Don't go out there because it's, it's a bad world, man. You're going to get stuck. And for me, that was an escape that I used. And I know a lot of others that did use it uh, to kind of escape that reality of the outside world. Uh, in that sense, I think that if that's your if that's your choice, that's your that's mm-hmm. your you got to do that because I think it's way more important for because the outside world has a longer lasting effect than you know this game will have on you. 
And you can go down some very dangerous roads if you live in that sort of it's, environment. It's very funny that you mentioned that because there's a professor, an associate professor, and he's the co-chairman of the Department of Psychology at Stetson University. His name is Christopher Ferguson. Uh, he actually would agree with you because he goes so far as to say that uh, violent video games could help uh, reduce violence rather than increase it in society because he's basically saying that you're keeping these young kids busy uh, and you keep them off the streets and you're keeping them out of troubles when you know there's so much bad stuff going on out there yeah like if you live in freaking you know south side of chicago mm. <laughs> go ahead man modern warfare all day let's go <laughs> oh man no wonder there were a lot of people from chicago playing modern warfare with me <laughs> man that makes a lot of sense now but yeah it's uh it goes to show that um you know it's still kind of pretty controversial that you know there's this violent stuff and now with games becoming more and more photorealistic uh it's like my main issue comes with just the fact that it can desensitize a person and when you know, because of how crazy the graphics are getting I wonder if there's any uh, research done on, like, you know, if a kid's been exposed to a lot of uh, violence in video games, how they react to violence in news stories. Like, if they see, like, the, a kid uh, a kid or something from Syria or from Palestine, you know, that's been all bloodied up and stuff, how do they react to something like that? Because from what I've seen, and this is just my own anecdotal observation, um, they a lot of people just seem pretty desensitized to all that because there's all kinds of violence in all sorts of media, not just video games. Yeah, definitely. But I think another point to bring up is that um, as parents, they want their kids to be mm -hmm. active, right? They want their kids to be out there doing some sort of sport or activity. And you know, they want kid, the kid to have friends. So they push them into clubs and, you know, they want them to be mm -hmm. social. So and alhamdulillah for me, I had super like strict uh, immigrant <laughs> parents that were like, you're not going out ever. <laughs> Like, just forget it, you know? <laughs> so, I, we, me and my brothers were forced to just stay mm -hmm. at home, play video games, because, you know, going to somebody's house was like, yeah, you guys, if you go out, don't ever oh, come wow. back type of thing, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so parents have that sort of mentality with, uh, you know, but American parents have that mentality where they want their kids to go out and have friends because they feel that's important for the kid right. to grow up uh, and, you know, have that sort of social interaction. But, if they don't realize the environment they live in, and I think that's a lot of immigrant parents have that, uh, they don't understand the the kind of community that they live in. And, you know, if you're living in, you know, Compton, and you don't, your, your immigrant parents don't really realize how dangerous Compton is because they've never been to other sides of the United States, or they're just like, oh, it's okay, it's not as bad as Pakistan. Like, it's not, like, you, you're putting your kid in a very dangerous position by having mm -hmm. him go out and do these things and being, you know, in that sort of environment. So that's a huge thing to keep in mind for parents is to realize what type of environment are you putting your Definitely. child in? Yeah, because environment plays a huge part in the growth of the child. And, you know, I've seen uh, I've seen kids who literally like, you know, they're like two, three years uh, here in the U.S. from the pin and they turn into freaking cholos. Like they start talking oh, like yeah, them and, dude. you know, all that. And I'm like, dude, that was me. Middle <laughs> school, man. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but environment you make an excellent point environment is very important the parents have to be very mindful of where they place them in and rather than just blaming all these video games and thinking that that's where all the bad stuff happens it's it's more of a reflection of reality than anything else you know we need to be more careful about our reality than our virtual reality yeah definitely and uh with that being said i think that's a 
very good uh, discussion we had on uh, violent video games. And so far, I think episode five right now is our longest episode to date. Yeah. But you know, we try to keep our episodes under the one hour 30 mark, which, you know, we're definitely going to do. So we're going to end our episode right here. Uh, Thank you so much, Abdul, for joining me in this great discussion of uh, uh, bagging on Nintendo uh, and (laughs) uh, talking about some other video game news and sharing some stories of uh, Mm -hmm. the games that we played and having a what I think what I found to be a beneficial discussion on violent video games. Uh, thank you everyone else to all the listeners that tuned in to listen to this. Remember you can support us by uh, subscribing to the podcast uh, on iTunes, Stitcher or your favorite podcast player. Like us on Facebook at Muslim Gamers. Find us on Twitter at Muslim Gamers and uh, we will be sure to put out more content and more of our social media as it becomes available. Um, I think you know, there was some uh, suggestion for a Twitch channel that we should do. And, you know, we've got to put out more content and stuff as well. But inshallah, as we grow this Muslim gamer community, we will love to put out more stuff out there. Uh, Abdul, I feel like I've been kind of blabbering on with this uh, conclusion segment. I want you to kind of say something. Okay, man. I mean, yeah, just look us up, look us up on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, on any sort of podcast application that you have. Uh, we do want to start a video form of this soon, so look mm-hmm. out for that. And that's pretty much it. And we'll see you guys next time. See so you guys next time. Assalamualaikum.